Hello, I'm Wyatt Butler and welcome to the first episode of The Crimecast. On this episode, I will be going through the strange disappearance of Kyron Horman, who went missing from his school in Portland, Oregon on June 4th of 2010. In this podcast, I will be going into the background and disappearance of Kyron and stories from people associated with the Horman's family. Kyron Richard Horman was born September 9th, 2002 in Portland, Oregon to Desiree Young and Kane Horman. Desiree and Kane Horman divorced eight months into her pregnancy with Kyron. The two had been granted shared custody of Kyron until 2004, but when Desiree was diagnosed with kidney failure that required extensive medical intervention, Kane soon took over full custody of Kyron. In 2007, Kane married Terry Moulton, a substitute teacher originally from Roseburg, Oregon. Kane became romantically involved with Terry around 2001 when he and Desiree were in the midst of divorcing. Kane and Terry married in 2007 while in Cowie. In December of 2008, Terry gave birth to a daughter, Kiara. Meanwhile, Kyron was a student at Skyline Elementary near Forest Park. On June 4th of 2010, Kyron was taken to school by his stepmother, Terry, who then stayed with him while he attended a science fair at the school. Terry stated that she left the school at around 8.45 a.m. and that she last remembered seeing Kyron walking down the hall to his first class. However, he was never seen in his first class, a math class, and was instead marked as absent for that day. After dropping Kyron off at school, Terry states that she ran errands at two different Fred Meyer grocery stores until about 10.10 a.m. Between then and 11.39 a.m., Terry stated that she was driving her daughter around town in an attempt to use the motion of the vehicle to soothe the toddler's earache. After that, she then went to a local gym and worked out until about 12.40 p.m. By 1.21 p.m., she had arrived home and posted photos of Kyron at the science fair on Facebook. At 3.30 p.m., Terry and her husband Kane walked with their daughter Kiara to the bus stop to meet Kyron. The bus driver told them that the boy had not boarded the bus after school and were told to call the school to ask for his whereabouts. Terry did so only to be informed by the school secretary that, as far as anyone knew, Kyron had not been at school since early that day and that he had accordingly been marked absent. Realizing then that the boy was missing, the secretary was ordered to call 911. The search efforts for Kyron were extensive and primarily focused on a two-mile radius around Skyline Elementary and on Savi Island, approximately six miles away. Law enforcement did not disclose the reasons for searching the area where they did, which included a search of the Savi Island Bridge, a truss bridge not too far from the school. On June 12th, around 300 trained rescuers were on the ground searching wooded areas near Skyline Elementary. The search for Chiron, which spanned over 10 days, was the largest in Oregon history and included over 1,300 searchers from Oregon, Washington, and California. A reward posted for information leading to the discovery of Chiron, which was initially $25,000, expanded to $50,000 in late July of 2010. In late June 2010, in the midst of the investigation into Kyron's disappearance, Kane Horman was told by investigators that Terry had offered their landscaper, Rodolfo Sanchez, a lot of money to kill him. Sanchez testified in a deposition that Terry approached him to help kill her husband in January 2010, five months before Kyron's disappearance. But when Terry's attorney, Stephen House, asked if Terry asked him to kill her husband, he said no. It was later learned that the DA told Sanchez's family would be deported if he didn't participate in a sting in testimony. Investigators convinced Sanchez to confront Terry while wearing a wire, but they were unable to obtain any evidence and could not make an arrest. 
On June 28th, Kane filed for divorce and obtained a restraining order against Terry. The divorce was granted and Terry was eventually granted supervised visitation with her daughter. During this time, Terry failed two separate polygraph examinations regarding Kyron's disappearance. In August 2010, it was announced that law enforcement were searching for an individual allegedly seen by two witnesses sitting inside Terry's truck outside Skyline Elementary the day of Kyron's disappearance. Bruce McCain, a former sheriff, told CBS News the identity of that second person, if he or she existed, could be critical in determining what happened to Kyron after 9 a.m. on June 4th. Meanwhile, in July of 2010, several friends of Terry Horman were interviewed, including D.D. Dee Dee Spitcher, whom Young and Kane Horman described as having been in close communication with Terry. According to law enforcement, Spitcher was extremely cooperative and allowed a search of her property and car, as well as enduring three hours worth of questioning from detectives. On the day of Kyron's disappearance, Spitcher abruptly left her work gardening for a homeowner at the residence on Germantown Road in northwest Portland around 11.30 a.m. and returned around 90 minutes later. She also allegedly helped Terry purchase an untraceable cell phone. During this time, Spitcher told journalists, There's this horror that my friend is going through. If I thought for a second that she was capable of foul play, I would not have been there. She would not have been my friend in the first place. In early August 2010, both Young and Kane testified during the grand jury as well as the school principal of Skyline Elementary. In December 2010, it was reported by the Oregonian that the grand jury had yet to provide compelling evidence yielding a potential indictment. By November 29th of 2010, Search efforts in Karen's case had cost an estimated $1.4 million according to county commissioners and yielded over 4,200 tips. When Terry left the school and then spent over an hour going from one Fred Meyer grocery store to another, she was looking for a particular product. The first store didn't have it, but the second did, and she purchased it there. All of this is 100% proved by security footage from each store. She then stated that she drove her one-year-old baby around for an hour and a half trying to settle her down and get her to sleep as she was suffering from a bad ear infection. This ear infection was verified by her pediatrician who had already prescribed antibiotics for the infection. As for the school, for some reason or another, the school did not have any cameras installed, so that makes this case a lot more hard for investigators to find out what happened to Kyron on this fateful day. User Luckney2 on Reddit says that her children attended Skyline and that she was there as a parent volunteer the day that Kyron went missing. The Reddit user says that Skyline is a small school and police and staff searched it repeatedly on the days after Kyron went missing. The chances of him being in the school are extremely low. Kyron was also a timid boy with bad eyesight. At home he never traveled past his own porch by himself and would never have the temerity to wander off from the school. She recalls that Kyron was having too much fun at the science fair that morning and was looking forward to the talent show that afternoon. He also lived too far from the school to walk home. Terry was very hard on Kyron. She critiqued him when he didn't perform a task quickly enough and when he didn't have a perfect day at school. The user says that Terry wasn't the supermom some people were making her out to be. The user states that they met Terry soon after Kyron went missing and all she wanted to talk about is how her style botched her hair color. Luckney 2 then alleges that they believe that Terry and her friend Dee Dee are involved in the disappearance. 
This next theory comes from a Reddit user named Dance House. Now their theory is that they think a relative, spouse, young adult child, or boyfriend of one of the teachers might have came to the school that day to bring something to the teacher. Maybe the teacher forgot a jacket, their lunch, some paperwork at home, so that person swung by the school that morning to drop it off for them. They continue to say that this person then might have wandered around the school looking at the science fair projects and crossed paths with Chiron. At that point, this person might have come up with some story that wound up with them and Kyron leaving the school through the side door on the gym. They think that they could have went into the woods. They then say that the police should investigate the teacher's spouses, young adult male children, roommates, or boyfriends that may have stopped by the school that morning. The Reddit user says that they think the perpetrator is a male that was under the age of 24 at the time. They would now be about 34. At the time of the crime, the user would profile them as being slender, not an outcast, but not comfortable in social situations and could have dark hair. More news has come out over the years, and that being that Kyron's teacher allegedly told the police that the reason the school did not call about Kyron being absent was because Terry had previously informed them that he would be absent that day. If that is true, why was Terry the only one who apparently knew this? In an interview in 2016, Terry continually denied having any involvement in Kyron's disappearance and also stated her belief that he was kidnapped. She says that there was a man in a white Ford pickup truck parked on Highway 30 at the 7-Eleven near the school. She states that he was acting very strangely and he was addressed by one of the employees because he had apparently been pacing back and forth in front of the 7-Eleven for over an hour. In May of 2017, it was reported by KGW that a secret grand jury panel continued to hear evidence in Kyron's disappearance and had convened on multiple occasions. During the report, Kyron's case was described as still active and ongoing. Two months later, in July 2017, law enforcement conducted further searches along Skyline Boulevard, but the searches yielded no results. In June 2018, Horan's mother, Desiree, posted on the official Find Kyron Horman Facebook page, Stay tuned, something big is coming, I promise you. Now, if you have any information regarding Kyron Horman's whereabouts or what may have happened, make sure to call 503-988-0560 or contact 911. There is still a $50,000 reward for any information that leads to bringing Kyron home. Thank you for listening to this podcast. On the next episode of the Crimecast, I will be going into the murderous minds of the Toolbox Killers and how they killed five teenage girls in a period of five months. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streaming websites. I'm Wyatt Butler, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Crimecast.